I'm looking forward to next year's Breakthrough Festival because I know no life will remain the same. I'm confident that even before the start of Breakthrough Festival, things will begin to happen in lives, in families, in businesses, in the name of Jesus. This morning, I'm going to continue our discourse on Turnaround Catalyst. It is very important for us to understand what it takes to walk in the reality, or should I say the manifestation, of every prophetic word for the season. So if God is saying it is our turnaround season, the question is what must we do? The Bible says on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost fell upon the disciples, and they began to speak in the Holy Ghost, and the Bible says that everyone heard them in their own language. And some people thought that they were drunk. And Peter said, these people are not drunk. This is that which was promised. When the prophet said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. You see. And the Bible says, he spoke so powerfully. And the people asked him, Oh, we are grateful for all the things you have said. But what must we do to be saved? Because there is always a what to do. The reason why a lot of people experience so much frustration in their Christian walk, right, is because they expect God to be responsible for everything while they do nothing. They expect that since God has said it, then when I do anything or I do nothing, then it will automatically become my reality. Not so. We see all over scriptures that people are to do certain things in order for them to walk in the reality of that which was promised them. Did you know that even the coming of Jesus, certain people had to do some things for even Jesus to come to the earth. The Bible told us that on the day that Joseph and Mary brought Jesus into the temple, a man by the name of Simeon, was it Simon or Simeon or something like that, and another woman by the name of Anna, when they saw Jesus, they said, at last, now your servant can go to rest because I have seen the consolation of Israel. Because what they had been praying for for years had now become a reality. So if the coming of the son of God was predicated upon the responsibility of man, you better realize very quick that whatever it is that God has said concerning you and I, there are things that we must do. Every miracle has both a God part and a man part. And it is man's responsibility that would always provoke God's ability. At the wedding in Cana of Galilee, the people are drawn out of wine. Shame was imminent. And the Bible says that Mary, the mother of Jesus, said to the people at the wedding concerning Jesus, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And the Bible says when they carried out the instruction that Jesus gave to them, the situation was turned around in their favor. I pray for you that in the remaining days of this year, this promise turned around will not just be a prophecy you are claiming. It will be a reality you are walking in. In the name of Jesus. You will not need to tell people that God has turned around your life or that God is turning around your life. But men will see you, they will see your result. They will see the hand of God in your life and they will know that of the truth you have experienced a turn around. In the name of Jesus. If you believe it, say a very big amen. amen. Psalms 126 and verse 1 to 3, that is the scripture for this discourse and the promise of God to us in this season and by the way if you've not been joining the 9 p.m you know prophetic turnaround prayers i would encourage you to do that right we've started that since october every time God gives us a word for his season right we spend time in the place of prayers consistently to ensure it becomes a reality like I said last week Sunday every word spoken is not just for that season it's just that it is initiated in that season are you hearing what I'm saying so when we're claiming, you see, that turnaround, it is not something that should end in December, December 31st. It is something that should last you even for the rest of your life. And my prayer for you in this season is that this promised turnaround will become your reality in the name of Jesus. I want us to read Psalms, 1, um, Psalms 126 verse 1 to 3 together. Are we ready? Let's read out loud together. One to go. When the Lord turned again, the captivity of Zion. We are like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the hidden, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are off. We are glad. This simply indicates that 
one of the ways you will know that a turnaround has taken place is that you will not be the only one that realizes it. Others will also recognize it. Because the Bible says, then they said among the hidden, the Lord has done great things for them. We they have to announce to them, they saw it and they knew that something different has happened to these people. The first verse, I want us to pay attention to it. It says, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion. It simply means if you had experienced a turnaround, it is possible to experience another. He said again. Somebody say again. again. Oh, I can't hear you say again. So probably this year you have experienced a turnaround maybe in your business, in your status, in your career, in your finances. But the Bible is saying when the Lord turns again. So it simply means turnaround can be continuous. It doesn't have to be once and for all. It can be consistent. It can be continuous. That's why when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and they were celebrating, building a tent after the crossing of the Red Sea, God had to tell Moses, tell the people to still keep going forward. This is a turnaround in a sense, but this is not the only thing I plan to do in their life. My plan is not just to rescue them from slavery. My plan is to bring them into the promised land. Deliverance is a turnaround itself. But you say, occupying the territory that I've already promised their forefather Abraham 430 years ago is even a greater turnaround. Let me tell you this, with God it only gets better forward. Proverbs 4 and verse 18. That's why it says the path of a just man is as a shining light. And it shines more and more even unto the perfect day. So I don't know what that thing is that God has done for you since the beginning of this year. But I've come to announce to you this morning that better is coming. Oh, somebody didn't hear what I just said. I said, I don't know what God has done for you since the beginning of this year. But I've come to tell you this morning that better is coming. In the name of Jesus greater turnarounds in your business, in your career, in your finances, in your family, in your marriage, in your health, in the name of Jesus. So remember God wants to turn your walk around because your walk is important to God. The first thing God gave to man was walk. And when you see that anywhere men toy and have nothing to show for it and God shows up on the scene, it does not leave their work untouched. When Jesus showed up at the place where Peter had been trying to catch fish all night, Jesus didn't just say, you let me use your boat. And after using the boat, he didn't just say, bless you, Peter. You are a good kingdom steward. You see, that's how to be able, as a good child of God, you should be releasing your boat for the preaching of the gospel. Jesus didn't leave him like that. Jesus told him, cast your net to the right side. And what he had been trying to do all night that he could not do. The Bible says when he casted the net to the right side, what had been difficult now became easy. I don't know what has been difficult for you since the beginning of this year. But I decree and declare as we wrap up this year and step into another year, it will become easy for you. The money that's been difficult for you to make, the contract that's been difficult for you to get, I decree and I declare the jobs that have been difficult for you to get, from this moment, let them become easy. The lines that have been difficult for you to cross, I said from this moment, begin to cross those lines. Begin to cross them effortlessly. Begin to cross them without struggle. I believe I'm in the right church this morning. Am I in the right church? So God wants to turn your walk around. He wants to turn your walk around. He wants to turn your finances around. Don't be a part of the people that say directly or indirectly that God doesn't want to prosper you. You know, some people don't say it, but their conduct shows it. That God is not really, how God is interested, you know, in is for you to make heaven. You should have died the moment you gave your life to Christ and gone to heaven. If that's the only thing God wants for him in life. I hear what I'm saying. You might just say, Father, you know, I claim that I'm a sinner. You know, I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. You just drop dead and die. If people want to die, they should just receive Jesus immediately and they should just die. That's not the only thing God expects from you. He says, my God shall supply all your needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So I don't know what that need is. I pray for you that in the remaining days of this year, God will meet that need. In the name of Jesus. That's why David prayed in Psalms 118 and verse 25. He says, I beseech you, O God. O God, I beseech you. He says, send now prosperity. Not send tomorrow. Not send the next year. He says, send now. Somebody says, send now. send now. 
Oh, somebody's not sounding like they need some prosperity. Somebody says, send now. Send now. Say, send now prosperity. Because what is prosperity? It's not just the accumulation of money in the bank. Prosperity is having your needs met anytime you need that need to be met. I hear what I'm saying. Prosperity simply means nothing missing, nothing broken. When you need it, you may not have it yet, but when you need it, everyone will supply it. That's prosperity. It simply means you are never stranded. It means you are never at a disadvantage. It means whatever it is you need, whether it is 10,000, whether it is 10 million, anything you need per time, God will supply. That's prosperity. I hear what I'm saying. God wants to turn your health around. Does anybody having health issues under the sound of my voice? You keep having to spend money on medications over and over again. Or maybe he's a member of your family. I pray for you that in the remaining days of this year, God will turn it around. You see, one of the ways the devil divorces people's finances is to introduce health issues into families. Health issues. You see, sometimes people will spend money on medication. At the end of the day, the person will still die. That's what I'm talking about. It's a devil strategy. People will spend so much money. Oh, at least this person, you know, at least when they get to work, will be excited. They will spend, and when the money has finished, the next day, the person will now, family will now get to the hospital and say, daddy has died. It's a devil strategy. That will not be your testimony. In the name of Jesus. Remember, God also wants to turn around your name. He turned Jacob to Israel. That simply means your reputation, your designation will change. The way people call you will change. In the name of Jesus. Oh, somebody didn't get that. <laughs> you know, there is a name that men, your parents did not call you that life can call you. There is a name situations can call you. I hear what I'm saying? Blind Bartimaeus. Blind is not his first name. Neither is Bartimaeus his last name. But his situation, his blindness named him. The woman with the issue of blood. Issue is not her name. Of blood is not her surname. But to date, we don't know her name. Why? Because her situation named her. I don't know what name circumstances has named you. I pray for you that in the remaining days of this year, may that situation be turned around. In the name of Jesus. See, let me tell you this. Whether you are aware of it or not, people are always being named. Whether you are aware of the name you are being called or not. That's why to date, there is nowhere God called some nations, first world, second world, and third world. But some people came together and named certain nations of the world. And said, these are first world nations, second world nations, third world nations. You know, there was a time that Singapore was a third world nation. Aha, but that name changed. It simply means the way God can change the name of individuals, he can change the name of nations. There was a time that the UAE was considered to be a useless desert. Am I making sense this morning? There was a time that Jacob was considered to just be an individual. But the time came, God changed his name. And said, you will no longer be Jacob, you will now be Israel. Israel. You know the reason why names are very important? And let me tell you this, in case you are here under the sound of my voice. And you have a name, it may even be a biological name. And the spirit of God has been stirring you up over the years to change that name. You better change it. Because let me tell you this, names determine destiny. That's why... Young people, I'm also a young person, but younger people, listen to me. In this age and time, everybody wants to give their children English names that they don't even know the meaning. Just like the name, I like the sound of it. You better be careful because names determine destiny. Achan was a Jewish man that disobeyed the instruction Moses gave. God told them, as you get to Jericho, Jericho is my first fruit, it's the tithe, it's the first victory I'm going to give you. Nobody must touch anything there. See, the principle of the first is replete through scriptures. God said, Everything in Jericho belongs to me, don't touch it. Achan saw <laughs> the clothes in Jericho. Say, Eh, designer, I will be stupid not to take these clothes. And it was really stupid. Because he took the clothes and hid it. It means, you see, let me tell you this. There are times you do certain things that don't make sense, but the devil can move you to do things. Because their culture was, if he had worn it, it would have been obvious he stole it. Because the Bible says he kept it because he couldn't wear it. So why did you steal it? You know why he did that? Because of his name. Achan means trouble. And the Bible says when he stole it, trouble came into Israel. 
The battle they would have normally won, they began to lose. And Joshua had to go into the place of prayers. God, what exactly is happening? And God said, amongst you there is an accosting. And when they began to check from family, from tribe to family, and they eventually found out it was the one causing trouble. And Joshua said, ah, ah, as your name is, so has the experience you have given us. And until they took away the trouble, peace did not reign in Israel. Names determine destiny. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying this morning? Names also determine identity. Names also reflect destination. That's why when, was it Rachel now, when she was about to die, and she was in pain, and she was about to give birth to Benjamin, she named him Benoni, meaning son of sorrow. But when the father had it, he reversed it immediately and said his name will not be Benoni. His name will be Benjamin. Benjamin means son of authority, son of my right hand. He reversed it. Because every time they call that name, you know the reason why the Bible tells us that after Lot left Abraham, the Lord spoke to him. Because as long as Lot was around Abraham, God was not going to speak to Abraham. You know why? Lot also means a veil. That's the meaning of his name. So as long as the veil is around you, he will veil you from hearing God. So names are powerful. That's why you want to start a business, you want to start anything, don't just name it what you like. Just say, I like the name. I like the name. You could hear me, I'll do it anymore. We're enterprises. What's that? Say, I like the name. I like the name. <laughs> Some people name, they name people in their lives. They name children according to the name of their grandfather because they were very close to their grandfather. Do you know what your grandfather, the covenant your grandfather entered? Say, Yabo. No, Yasbo. Yabo in Yoruba simply means the woman, the mother has come back. I'm not asking you to change your name. If your name is Yabo or Babatunde, because that's the balance of it. <laughs> but let me tell you this. Every time you call yourself that name, always tell yourself, my experience is different. My life is not a reputation of someone else's error. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Names are powerful. And I pray this morning, God will change your name. In the name of Jesus. So we said the first catalyst. I'm going to change the order this morning. Just flow with me. Number one is prayer. Especially intercession. So we spoke about intercession last week Sunday. That God brings a turnaround in people's life. Because intercession is prayer. So I'm changing it to just prayer. Especially intercession. Especially intercession. In Matthew chapter 17 and verse 21. Matthew 17 and verse 21. If you can have it, please. Matthew 17 and verse 21. Can we read together one to go? Albeit, this kind goeth not out, but by what? By prayer and what? There are certain things that will never happen if you are not given to prayer and fasting. Take that or leave it. (laughs) See, Every time God gives you a promise, you must understand the place of prayers in the fulfillment of that promise. Some things may have become a reality in your life that you did not pray about after God promised it. But let me tell you this, there will be no consistency or fulfillment of prophecies if you are not given to prayer. You just realize that sometimes things will happen, sometimes it will not happen. And let me tell you this, those times that it happens, it's because some people were praying for you without you knowing. But for how long will you ride on the wings of other people's prayer? For how long? This is a praying church. This is an interceding church. We pray for every member of the Gateway Church, especially those who are genuinely connected. So if you say you are not praying, but some things are happening, it's because we are praying for you. But for how long will you rely on the prayer of others? Are you hearing what I'm saying? You should get to a point where others are also relying on your own prayer. That's a sign of maturity. That's a sign of growth in the things of the Spirit. That you get to a point in your life and your prayer is not just about yourself that was what happened to job i showed us that last week in job 42 and verse 10 job chapter 42 and verse 10 job 42 and verse 10 the bible says and the lord turned again sorry and the lord turned the captivity of job when he prayed for his friends not when he prayed for himself but when he prayed for his friends also the lord gave job twice as much as he had before. Did you see that? Very important. 
I'm um, starting intercession is you asking God to do for others something, right? What you need Him to do for you or someone closer to you. We also said intercession is focusing on the needs of others in prayers when all your own needs have not been met. Let me tell you this. If you are waiting for every need in your life to be met before you pray for others, you will never pray for anybody else except yourself. Because you see, as you grow, so will your needs grow. If we are not careful, the gospel of this generation, the Christianity of this generation is consumer-minded. Everything is about me. It's about what God can do for me. What about what you can do for others? I'm always reminded of the words of John F. Kennedy when he became president in 1960. And he was giving his inaugural speech. He said one of the ways we can build a great country called the United States is when everybody gets to the point where they are not only thinking of what the country can do for them, but what they can do for the country. I strongly also believe that the Christian faith is going to spread around the world like wildfire. When believers get to the point where they are no longer just thinking of what God can do for them, but what they can do for God. Do you know that in Europe now, Christianity is an endangered practice? <laughs> A couple of weeks ago, they had witchcraft conference, global witchcraft conference in London. So we tried that now in Nigeria. With all the prayer going on. They will just start getting the prayer in that direction. <laughs> But you know, there was a time that that happened in Nigeria. But not anymore. Not anymore. Why? Because some people took responsibility. And let me tell you this. What the prayer that many of us are focused on now, if we are not careful, if we don't have a 180 degree turnaround uh, in our mindsets, those days may come back. Those days may come back. We must get to the point where we assume responsibility for others and for the kingdom of God in the place of prayers. You see, it is counterintuitive. You will think that the more I pray, then God will turn around my life, turn around my world. The more I pray for myself, I want God to turn around my business and I pray for my business all the time. But that's not the way it works. It's okay to pray for yourself, but sometimes pray for others. That's why I ensured that last week Sunday, every of our prayer was for someone else. Was for someone else. You must learn it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You must learn it. If all your prayer, 100% is about yourself, me, myself, and I, then you are not growing. You are not growing. And let me tell you this. There are certain things God will never entrust you with. It's just a fact. If every time you go into the place of prayers, it's about yourself. There are certain things that you will pray for it, but you will never taste it. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. And another, we went on for that to say you ask not, you have not because you ask so that you may consume it upon your own loss. Because the only reason why you are praying is for yourself. I say you will not have it. That's the Bible. He says you won't have it. I think that should be James 4 2 there about. I'm not sure. Right? He said you have not because you are asking so you may consume it upon your own lust. Now, when some people are asking God to bless them, they're already thinking of how they use that blessing to oppress people. Unconscious. Ah. Oh. Don't want me bad day by. Ah. When my money comes. Hey. They, they, in their mind, they have imagined the people they will oppress. That money may never come. That's why you keep living from survivor to survivor. Because God can't trust you with that much. There are some people God knows. If too much money comes into their hand, all the ladies around them are in trouble. All the ladies around them are in trouble. That's when they'll be asking everybody, are you going my way? Which way? Which way? When you were using your leg, you didn't ask anybody, are you going my way? And now you, you roll down. Are you going my way? So we must intercede for souls to be saved. We must intercede for the establishment and the expansion of God's kingdom. These things must be in your prayer. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You want to turn around, learn to intercede. Intercede for your leaders in the workplace, in the house of God, in government. Many of us complain about our government leaders, but we never pray for them. Isn't it amazing? It's very easy to complain and criticize leaders until you sit on their chair. You know, many people believe they know what to do. Haven't you seen how, <laughs> how everybody can play football until they're on the football pitch? So, you shouldn't have played. You're supposed to pass it. Go there now. Be running up and down for 90 minutes and see if it is easy to still be coordinated mentally to know where to kick the ball. It's very easy because we are sitting down. You are doing nothing. It's very easy to say, oh, don't. you know, when you are in the stand, for instance, I can't see what is behind me. You can see everything that is behind me now. 
You can easily spot error when you are not the one on stage. That's why the Bible says that we should pray for those in authority. Pray for them. Not criticize them. Not make fun of them. Not saying Baba know well. He know well. But he's in a position you may never get to in your life. Pray for them. Because the decisions they make in that place can influence your destiny. I hope you know if the government, there are places where they don't gather to worship anymore and they used to gather to worship God. Why? Because somebody got into power and made a policy. Remember that the King Darius made a policy simply because they tried to please the people that were working with him, his government officials. He didn't even know that the reason they told him to make that law was because they wanted to target Daniel. They said, oh king, let nobody pray to any other God except you for so so number of days. And the Bible says they signed it into law. There are many laws that leaders make that they are not the ones making it. They are simply making it because the people around them influence them to make those decisions. So when you are praying for leadership, you don't only pray for the person sitting on the chair. You also pray for everyone that can influence them. Somebody hear what I'm saying? Number two is desire. Desire. Or may I add this? Intercede also for your pastor. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Did somebody hear what I just said? The reason why you are criticizing your pastor is because you are not praying for him. I don't know if you are. You may. Praise the Lord. Uh, Anybody you are not praying for, you will see everything that is wrong about them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The pastor didn't quote that scripture well. Maybe it's because you didn't pray. That's why I missed the scripture. <laughs> Apostle Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 1 to 2. Let me, let, let, let's, let's see. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 1 to 2. We're still going to be praying this morning. Is that okay? Every service this year is going to be prayer focused. Because we're getting ready for the Breakthrough Festival. Hallelujah. And you don't attend such meetings. You don't prepare for such meetings casually. Do you understand what I just said? Mm-hmm. 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 1 to 2. Can we read together out loud? One to go. Finally, brethren, what did he say? Pray for us that the word of God may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you. Next verse. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. So, those are the kind of prayers you pray for your pastor. Not may your head not lack oil. That's not your place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Ahead. There are prayers that it is only the person that is above your pastor that can pray for your pastor. Some people will send a message to their pastor. Pastor, may your head not lack oil. I should be praying that for you, not you praying that for me. You pray scriptural prayers. Because people are not well taught in things. They say, but he said we should pray for you. I said we should not pray this. That's the prayer you pray. That the word of God will have free course. That as pastor preaches in church this weekend, that God will put the right words in his mouth. That the things we need to hear will be the things that will be said. That God will deliver our pastor from wicked and unreasonable men. Because there are plenty. It's not everybody in church that has faith. He says not all men have faith. Some people will say they are coming for counseling. It's something else they are looking for. You pray for your pastor like that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh-huh. I pray as you don't pray for your pastor. It is those that are above your pastor that can pray that prayer. But today, people don't even understand the difference. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 to 19. Let me show you another prayer you can pray for your pastor. In everything you do as a believer, you have to be scriptural. Or else you can go off course. Hmm. I came across a comedy a while back. A man that brought a seed to the pastor. And when the pastor saw it, he saw the amount and was... Ah. So... He wanted to pray for the man and he knelt down. <laughs> the pastor knelt down. It's a skit anyway. But I won't be surprised if some people have got to that level. The man, that pastor now said, pray for me. <laughs> Ephesians 6, 18 to 19, please. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 to 19. Praying always without prayer and supplication in the spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Do you see that? And for me. So what's the prayer? That utterance may be given unto me. That I may what? Open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Because you know why? Everyone genuinely called of God. They know what to say. But not everybody can say it boldly. You know what Apostle Paul said? Pray for me that I may open my mouth boldly. Some pastors know what to do, but they are afraid. That's why God told Jeremiah. He says, don't look at their faces. Because people's faces can really scare you. 
Some people, they are looking at you like, Pastor, if you say it. <laughs> but me, if you've not prayed that prayer, me, I've prayed it for myself. So I speak boldly. Praise the Lord. You need a pastor that can speak boldly. You don't need a pastor that will be sugarcoating the truth and say it's grayish black. It's not for your good. That's why Jesus said, you know, uh, the Bible says that a time will come. It's part of the signs of the end time. Yes, Jesus said that people will heap up teachers unto themselves. They will develop itching ears. People that will tell them what they want to hear. So intercession, very important. Number two is desire. Mark 11, 24 to 26. Mark chapter 11 and verse 24 to 26. We experience a turnaround. The second catalyst is desire. Mark 11, verse 24 to 26. Mark chapter 11, verse 24 to 26. Can we all read it together? How loud want to go? Therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things you want, whatsoever things you want, desire when you what pray believe that you what receive them and what will happen you shall have them you shall have them and when you stand praying forgive you know let's just leave that because of time so jesus is even saying that if you are going to pray and have answers to your prayer that prayer must come from a place of desire because a lot of people pray and their heart there is so much disconnection between what is coming out of their mouth and what their heart truly desires there's a disconnection. There's a disconnection. So you must understand the role desire plays in a turnaround. If you don't desire it, you can be saying it, you can be praying it, but you may never experience it. Because let me tell you this, your desire and your thoughts, they are as loud to God as your words are to men. So when you are praying in church, we can hear your prayer points, but your desire is as loud, is louder that way to God. God knows the desires of your heart. Showed us last week how Lazarus desired the crumbs. You know, someone else would have looked at Lazarus and said, ah, this is a child of God. Why should he be eating from the crumbs that fall from the, king's, um, from the rich man's table? You see, he was eating it because that was what he desired. No matter how much we pray for Lazarus, he will eat crumbs till he dies. Because that's his desire. The question I have for you this morning is, what do you desire? Ask your neighbor and say, neighbor, what do you desire? It's very important. You have to be clear. So even this promise turn around, you must be clear. What is that desired turn around? What is that desired turn around? What is that area of your life? Because there are specific needs that we have as individuals. For someone, it may not be a financial turn around. For someone, it may not be a career turn around. For someone, it may be a turn around in their health. For someone, it may be in their marriage. But that desire has to be so strong. And it has to be clear. Number three is obedience to instructions. Obedience to instructions. Luke chapter 17, verse 13 to 14. Luke chapter 17, and verse 12 to 14. Luke chapter 17, verse 12 to 14. Can we read together? Are we ready? Let's go. And he entered into a certain village. There met him ten men that were lepers. We stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were what? How did they receive their turnaround? Their healing. These guys were lepers. As a leper in the Jewish culture, you can't even come to where human beings are. In fact, if you are coming as a leper, you must be announcing your arrival from a distance. That you are a leper is coming so that everybody can clear and avoid you. What did Jesus do here? Oh, you want to be healed. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. He said, okay, go and show yourself to the priest. The Bible says, and as they went, they were cleansed. What if they are staying with Jesus and said, Jesus, no, you must see us here. Would they have been healed? Never. The instruction is go and show yourself. Whether it makes let me tell you this. Most of the instructions that will turn your life around will not make sense. You know why I say it doesn't make sense? Normally, you are not supposed to go into the city. Where is the priest in the city? And Jesus is saying, go to where you are not supposed to go. It took obedience to instruction for them to go to where Jesus told them to go when they know they are not supposed to go there. And the Bible says, as they went, as a demonstration of obedience and faith, they were cleansed. 
If they are sad and said, no, we will stay here until it happens. It will never happen. Many of us see, God has impressed instructions in your spirit. Things you are supposed to do. But you just, oh, I'm, I'm the one thinking it. <laughs> instructions will come to you in different ways and I'll get to that very quickly. But let me tell you this, in every area of your life where you are trusting God for a turnaround, you must find out the instructions that brings about a turnaround in that area. You must find out. Oh, you must find out. Naaman's health was turned around. Why? Because he obeyed the instructions of Elisha. Go and wash seven times. And he told him the river where he must wash himself. You know what Naaman said? Why will he tell me to go to that particular river? Are there not river Havana or Afafa? Or what? He was mentioning better rivers. If you know how to heal yourself, Naaman, why did you come before? Just go there and die with your leprosy. The Bible says his generals have to tell him. If he had told you to do something more difficult, wouldn't you have done it? Thank God for the right people. Oh, you need the right people in your life. You need the right. See, one of the ways you know God has smiled on you is that you have the right people in your life. People that no matter how much you rise, they will still speak to you respectfully but tell you the truth. The problem is, as people rise in life, they are surrounded by psychophants. There's a book like that that we have in our house. Surrounded by psychophants. Powerful book. Anybody in leadership should get that book. Because as God begins to make something beautiful around your life, uh, make something beautiful of your, of your life, psychophants will surround you. People that will be lying to you because they want favor from you. People that will not tell you the truth. <laughs> but Neman had the right people. People that was able to tell him, oh God, you will die with this leprosy if you don't obey this instruction. And the amazing thing is the Bible says when he dipped himself seven times, he was cleansed. Because the instruction is seven times. If he had done it six times, I said, what? <laughs> you know, he would have thought that as I'm doing it, they said seven times. The first time, at least, we see that the cleansing has started. Second time, ah, uh-uh, ah, oh, change, it's changing. Fifth time, ah, uh-uh, it's almost there. Nothing happened until the seventh dip. The prophet's widow, indebted. You went to Elisha. Ah, uh, my husband left us in debt. He said, go ahead, time to more debt. Does that make sense? If, you had the one, if it was his age and time, I would have been on Insta blog. <laughs> Wicked and insensitive prophets tells indebted widow to end time to more debt. But thank God for the woman that understood obedience to instructions. Maybe the reason the husband died in debt is because he was too smart to obey instructions. You know, most men don't obey instructions because they are used to giving instructions in their house. If you are a man, one of the things you must trust God for is the ability to submit under a higher authority. Or else you will soon self-destruct. I'm telling you. Most men are naturally wired that way. Born again or unsaved. Nobody can tell me what to do. Nobody can tell me what to do. (laughs) That's why you carry all the family finances. I've told you my story now. (laughs) Carry it and all the money will just disappear. And just say that they will now become gentle. And become gents. But before that mistake, they are, they are very sure. I know. You can't tell me what to do. What do you know? Keep quiet. What do you know? Somebody with me this morning. Obedience to instructions. Very important. Very important. Same thing with the widow of Zarephath. She was about to eat her last meal. Elijah showed up on the scene. Elijah said, go and get water for me. She was going. He said, ah, no, 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 no. This instruction is easy to be. He said, go and make for me food. He said, ah, this is the last food I want to eat. He said, go and make it. And he told her, if you do it, you will not lack what to eat. Imagine that happened today. Pastor Akintola Samuel (laughs) demands a widow's last meal. It will trend. It will trend. Because it's not logical. How can somebody tell you that is our last meal? You know what this generation will say as a pastor? You should even be the one to give to her. But let me tell you this. The way it works in the kingdom, in the realm of the spirit, is that something must leave you for something to come to you. Let nobody kid you. You see, (laughs) sometimes as a pastor, my humanity also plays in. That's why I always encourage people. When I'm relating with you off the pulpit, if something, I say something that contradicts what I say on the pulpit, go with the one I said on the pulpit. Because sometimes the pain of humanity, when you are talking to me, even me, I can tell you, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. You better worry. 
I'm telling you, you better take that one that I said here than the one that, uh, you know, that's true, that's true. Because that's my humanity. That's why you notice that the people that love you the most, they are the ones that God really uses to change your life. Because they can't tell you the things that will be painful for you to get out of your situation. Because the humanity is there. Hmm. Praise the Lord. Are you getting blessed this morning? Instructions come to us principally through three channels. Number one, God's word. The written word. The written word. The written word. Instructions will come to us from the written word. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 23. The Bible says, Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you, and I will make known my words unto you. The Bible is more than a history book. The Bible is a book of instructions. I hear what I'm saying? Someone wants marital success. What is the instruction? You want to turn around in your marriage. I know you are very intelligent. But what is the instruction? The first instruction. Be filled with the spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. Let me tell you this. You can't do marriage effectively being full of the flesh. I'm telling you. It will frustrate you. You will be very frustrated. Ask married people. That person that you love will frustrate you. If you are not full of the spirits. You will just realize that all of a sudden you have become an angry bird. You are nagging about everything. Because you are not full of the spirit. The Bible says don't be drunk with wine. I think that's Ephesians chapter 5. It says don't be drunk with wine when there is exercise. But be filled with the spirit. Now said, wives, love your own husband. I will submit to your own husband. Husband, love your wife. That's the instruction. It didn't say husband, love your wife when your wife is behaving well. Some people want to love their wives. Their wife, not wives. <laughs> right? When she submits, they say, you are not submitting, I will not love you. Uh, is that your instruction? Then you know the problem with many people? They look at other people's instruction. You are a man. Your instruction is not submission. Leave the submission alone. You do the love. A woman that you truly love will submit, except she's demon-possessed. Or someone is remoting her from somewhere, except there's a negative influence. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And it's vice versa also. A man you submit to will love you. Okay, he doesn't love me, doesn't love me, I will not submit. Is that your own instruction? Leave the law, focus on your own submission. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Someone is trusting God for a financial turnaround. What is the instruction in finances? Find out and don't argue with it. You want to turn around financially? You don't put God first in your finances. You don't save. <laughs> Everything as you see you spent, continue. There is God. Continue. I've told us the saving is as spiritual as titan. The problem with the old church, previous generation, people who gave, 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 gave. They didn't save. Your savings will save you. The reason why you're always moving from crisis to crisis is because you have nothing left behind. It's an instruction in scriptures. I hear what I'm saying. It says a foolish man. It says there is more treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise. It says, but a foolish man spends everything. Oh, one of the things I love about my wife, she always has one money somewhere. When you think my wife does not have money, there will be one money in one bag, in one pocket, in one, there will always be, ah. <laughs> Me, I'm a very project-driven person. When I want to do a project, I don't mind, I can exhaust all the money. So when the money, I'll be like, ah. I'll be like, go and check that, open that drawer, lo and behold, you will see money there. That's wisdom. If you are a spender, you better don't marry somebody like you. Because you just see moving from crisis to crisis. You want financial turnaround. Be a tighter. Stop arguing it. Tighter is not even generosity. Please learn that. It's not generosity. It is you returning God's portion. <laughs> and you don't give with the mindset of money doubling. If I give girl 10K, it will give me 200K. That one is even more than double. <laughs> Someone is trusting God for a turnaround in their health. What is the instruction? Eat well. Sleep. I would have shown you all the scripture, but because of time. Some people are not sleeping well, and you expect to have sound health. You can never have it. I'm telling you, you will never. Because even God rested, giving us a template. There are human beings that are not supposed to be walking around the clock. You want to make all the money in Lagos, and your health is failing. So you are making the wealth. You will get the wealth, but eventually use the wealth to restore your health. They said, there's no wisdom in it. You cannot be smarter than God. Say, God, ah, renew my strength like that of an eagle. You are sleeping two hours per night. Three hours per night. If your job does not allow you enough time to sleep, trust God for a better job. 
Come be sleeping three hours per night and expect to live long. You will not. It's not a cause. Why did you think people lived longer in previous generations? Eh? Why do you think people live longer in villages? Because very few things keep them awake. Once it is evening, they sleep. That's why you notice that people live longer in villages. And also eat right. Oh, you are already almost 40. You are past 40. You are still eating meat. You are eating pork. Continue. You, know, you are not expecting somebody to lay hands. You know, laying off of hands will only amplify what is in the brain. If it is foolishness in meat, yeah, it will amplify the foolishness. I would just like shortcut method. You know the right thing, you are not doing it. The pastor, I'm, I'm feeling somehow it's, it's in my right ear. Is your right ear? The ear is not working well because you're always wearing headphones. And you put the music to the loudest. You are destroying the eardrum. By the time, better start going and learning sign language. Because <laughs> very soon, this I will be talking to you because you are broken the eardrum. You know, there are some things that when you are young and they are telling you, you won't get it. I remember when I was very young. You know, you think the sign of being cool is wearing headphones. You know, and you'll be bouncing. My dad will be telling me, ah, remove this thing. Everybody's talking to you in the house. You can't hear. Can't hear because you are listening to music. And people are around you. You are in a world of your own. Continue. <laughs> long life. You want to live long. What is the instruction? Honor your father and mother. That one is even very clear. It says that it may be well with you. You may have money, but it is not well with you. It's a scriptural instruction. Some people are living well in the city. You are using iPhone. You are using Samsung phone. And your parents' phone is rubber band they are using to tie it. Continue. You are Lagos big girl and big boy. But your parents don't even know where their next meal is coming from. Continue. Continue. You want to live long, honor, honor, honor your father and mother. It doesn't matter the role they played in your life or not. That is not their instruction. Your own instruction is honor them within your capacity. And let me tell you this, no matter who you are, as long as you are living and you have parents, you can honor at your level. You can honor at your level. Praise the Lord. Do you still like this, pastor? <laughs> you want the walk turned around. The instruction is diligence. Some people are saying, God, promotion, 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 Oluwa, promotion, Jesus, promotion. But you get late to work. In fact, they should have fired you since. It's the mercy of God that has kept you. Only a foolish boss will promote somebody like that. You come late to work and you are the first to leave. In fact, we don't need to check the time to know it is 4 o'clock. Once we see you at the door, oh, it's 4 o'clock. You are the timer of the office. They know that anything that is beyond work description, they can't give you. You will say it's not part of your job description. And you know, there's work description to end. There's destiny description. Instructions also come, number two, through your pastor. Through your pastor. Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 20 to 21. I want us to see that. Okay, somebody begins to argue with that in their mind. Uh, they want to be telling us what to do. Isaiah 30, 20 to 21. The Bible says, and though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet shall not your teachers be removed into a corner anymore. It says, but your eyes will see your teachers and your ears shall hear a word behind this saying, this is the way, walk in it, when you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left. When many people quote that verse 21, they think it's the Holy Spirit the Bible is talking about. No. What you will remember when you want to make decisions are the words of your teacher. The person that is teaching you the ways of the Lord. That's what you will remember. So if you have not been hearing, there's nothing to remember. It's just like students that don't read. They get into the examination and they say, Holy Spirit, bring to my remembrance. What will he bring to your remembrance? Uh, nothing. Since nothing has entered the head, it will bring nothing to your remembrance. So your prayer has been answered. Number three, instructions also come through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16 and verse 13. John 16, 13. 13. He says, how be it when the spirit of truth is come? He says, it will guide you into all truth. He says, for he will not speak of himself. John 16, 13. Not Joshua. 
John 16, 13. John chapter 16 and verse 13. It says, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of himself, but whatever it shall, for whatever he shall hear, that shall he also speak, and he will show you the things to come. That's why you see, one of the things you must consistently engage in as a believer is praying in tongues. You know why? It makes your spirit to be more sensitive to the instructions of the Holy Spirit. And many of those instructions, sometimes they will just come as impressions, as thoughts. But it will be so strong. How will you know it's the Holy Spirit giving you an instruction? The more you pray, the louder it gets. If something is not of God, the more you pray, the lower the volume. The, if it's of the Spirit, the more you pray, the higher the volume. You just realize that you can't shake it off. You will get to that point where you will know and know that I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to do this. So the instructions that will bring about a turnaround will come, number one, from the written word of God. And say, let me tell you this. If you don't obey the written word of God, don't expect the Holy Spirit to talk to you. Because the one he has given you, you are not doing anything about it. God does not waste his resources. Because he himself said, cast not your pills before the swine. The one that says that will not be the one doing it. So if you don't value the written word, you will not hear the spoken word. Number four, as I begin to round up this morning, have you been blessed? Hallelujah. Number four is Zion connection. Zion connection. Psalms 126 and verse 1, if you go back to that scripture, it says, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, it says, we're like them that dream. The captivity of Zion. Zion is the church in prophecy. So the promised turnaround is not just something God wants to do in the life of individuals. He wants to do it in the life of the body. The body of Christ. The, you know, the community of faith. And your connection to Zion determines the kind of turnaround that comes to you. Because there are things that God wants to do corporately, not individually. When God was going to turn around the captivity of the children of Israel, literally in this context, when he was going to bring the children of Israel out, he didn't bring them out one by one. He brought them out as a nation. As long as you were connected to that tribe, that's why even the Egyptians that followed them also crossed the Red Sea. As long as you are connected, you will experience that turnaround. That's what the Bible is saying there. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion. In Psalms 84 and verse 7, he says they go from strength to strength. Every one of them, Psalms 84 and verse 7, if you can have it please. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them is Zion. Everyone. 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 Not most of them, Psalms 84 and verse 7. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them is Zion. Appearing before God. Everyone. The question is, are you in Zion? Are you visiting Zion? Somebody hear what I'm saying? Are you visiting or are you in Zion? Are you in Zion? You see, and there are many things that can take people out of Zion. Many things. I was talking to the stewards about that, you know, extensively this morning. Many things can take people out of Zion. Offense is one of it. See, whether you like it or not, you will never be in a place in your life where you will not be offended. Didn't they offend you in your family? Your siblings never offended you. Your parents didn't offend you. <laughs> I mean, one of the greatest offense of my life was from my dad. As I was writing my secondary school final paper, what they call is it Wayek and GC? Immediately I finished that. I was writing SAT and TOEFL. Because my uncle in New York already said I was coming. If I was already telling all my friends, maybe they are the ones that didn't even let it happen. <laughs> I've already told everybody, in fact, I was already bouncing like in the hood, you know. <laughs> I was already rehearsing my steps. <laughs> I passed my SAT, passed my TOEFL, but my dad said, You are not going. You know when they have sent you prospectus of the school? You have seen the school. <laughs> I think sometimes when I, was, I just threw everything away because when I saw it, it was traumatic. The more I see those, bro, um, what, it's prospectus they call it now. Yeah? I've seen at least like two schools. I was already looking, I, I was already imagining myself in the class. But you know, in retrospect, I thank God I never went that time. You know why? I would have been a gangster. Because that time I was already even dressing like Jay-Z. So I will wear a singlet on t-shirts, pull it up one hand, so you'll be seeing the singlet. One singlet on the t-shirt, another one on there. Wear two sneakers, different legs. If I traveled, I would have gone to look for them. (laughs) 
So when you look at me and you see my sanity, I was not always this, I was not always this saying no. No, 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 no. If I had gone that time, ah, no, no, no. I would have had a gun. I'm telling you. I would have joined the gang. I, as in in retrospect, I understood that. And I became born again, you know, and I began to ask those questions. How can somebody, you know, <laughs> and that's when you'll be hearing some prayers. Near, near success syndrome. I thought it was near success. You're about to travel. You have succeeded. Pass the exam. Now say, and you know the amazing thing about my dad? Very characteristic of my dad. He didn't explain to me. Just say you are not going. You know, if they say you are not going, and they now bring the form of maybe Babcock, Covenant University, he now brought the school I've never heard of, University of Agriculture. I said, where is that? I've never been there before in my life. That's why for the very first few years in school, I was not serious. It was still traumatic for me. I hated my dad for it. Every time I see him, I see him as the the indara of my destiny. (laughs) But today, oh, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. You wouldn't have met me. I wouldn't have met you. What did I, what took me to that story? (laughs) Offense, yes. You know, a lot of people have lost valuable relationships like that because of offense. Even Jesus said, offenses will come. It will come. You don't, because of offense, check out of where God has planted you. God led you to a church. Somebody offended you, say, I'm going. Ah, Is it God that offended you? I said, I don't like for some people, is a perceived preferred standard of spirituality. They believe, you no, know, in this church, they are not praying enough. How else should we be praying? We should not take the word, your service should be prayer. And that's not what God has sent us. If you want to be praying like that, go to where they are praying. And it's not a problem. I hear what I'm saying. But we believe in the balance of the wisdom and power. And that's the wisdom God has given us in this house. That's the revelation. A balance of wisdom and power. You think the reason why, the reason why you think we are not praying is because you have not been involved in the prayers. Uh, most likely you have not prayed 12 hours at a stretch before. We did that earlier this year. You are saying we are not praying. Did you come? You know, there's a way people attack things and say they don't do it, they don't do this. When they did it, did you show up? You didn't show up, but you said they don't pray. Because we expect that things should be done your own way. I shared a story with the workers this morning about a woman that walked up to the pastor after service. I said, Pastor, I didn't enjoy the worship today. The pastor said, thank God you are not the one we are worshiping. I love pastors like that, that are bold. That's the boldness I'm talking about. Because some people believe that this is how worship should be done. We are not the one we are worshiping. It's God. It's for the audience of one. I didn't enjoy it. You are not the one you are singing, we are singing for. It's okay to be professional and coordinated and everything, but you are not the focus of the worship. As long as the one we are worshiping receives it, it's fine. It's fine. Are you hear what I'm saying? Is there on connection? And last but not the least, I'll just mention this, I'll continue from there on Sunday, is your declarations. Your declarations. Your declaration. James 3, 4 and 5. James chapter 3, verse 4 and verse 5. James chapter 3 and verse 4 and verse 5. Can we please read it together once to go? Behold also the sheep's which though they be so strong and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with very small helm, whithersoever the governor listed. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasted great things. Behold, how great a matter, a little fire kindled. So what the Bible is trying to say here is, even though your tongue is also a small member of your body, ah. It can literally turn around your life. Where you are today is a byproduct of the things you have been saying. Where you will be tomorrow is a byproduct of what you are saying now. Many people say, oh, I've been declaring God's word. I've been declaring God's word. I've not seen it. Uh, because some what you are saying now, it is uprooting and nullifying the rubbish you have said for years. Huh? It's first unprooting before it is now planting. Some of the things you are saying now can even be watching. Some of us are in watering stage. Let me tell you this, it is working. Jesus said, if you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe the things you have said will come to pass. He said, you shall have whatever you say. Let me tell you this, friends. Your turnaround is in your mouth. Any 
area where you are trusting God for a turnaround, no matter what is happening around you, don't join people to say what you are saying. Say what you want to say. Job 22 and verse 28 to 29. It says, when men are cast down, you shall say, before you are also cast down, you shall say, there is a lifting up. It says, and God will save the humble person. This morning as we rise up on our feet, I want you to begin to say the things you want to see in the remaining days of this year and the coming year. What is that expected turnaround? What is that area of your life where you are trusting God for a turnaround? This is the time to speak those things into existence. Oh, come and lift up your voice and begin to declare it. Is it your finances? Is it your health? Is it your marriage? Is it your family? Is it the life of your child? What is that thing you want to see change? What is that thing you want God to turn around in the remaining days of this year? Begin to speak it forth. Begin to speak it forth. Speak it with confidence. Speak it with boldness. Second Corinthians 4 and verse 13. It says we believe and therefore we speak. We are also having the same spirit of faith. We believe and therefore we speak. What is that desire turn around? Having established the desire, begin to declare it. Oh, that in my family there is a turnaround. I will not end this year the way I started it. Everything is turning around for my good. Everything is working for my good, working out for my good. In the remaining days of this year, that which God has promised is becoming my reality. I'm walking in the fullness and in the reality of my turnaround. Nothing remains the same. Nothing stays the same. In the name of Jesus. Oh, nothing remains the same. I end this year better. I end this year with my turnaround testimony. In the remaining days of this year, my mouth is filled with laughter. My tongue is filled with singing. God is doing great things in my life. Great things in my family. Great things in my walk. Great things in the life of everyone connected to this house. All over the nations of the earth. It is testimonies everywhere. Miracles, signs and wonders. Liftings, breakthroughs. Unprecedented increase. Undeniable turnaround. God is turning everything around in our favor. Turning it around for my good. In the name of Jesus. Oh, it is my turnaround season. Therefore, nothing remains the same. In the name of Jesus. Oh, Mantecora Balaba In Jesus' name we pray. This morning I want us to pray from Psalm 67 and verse 5 to 6. Psalms chapter 67 and verse 5 to 6. I want you to take your prayer posture because make sure you're comfortable praying. Hallelujah. Psalm 67, verse 5 and verse 6. It says, Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. It says, Then the earth shall yield our increase. And God, even our own God, shall bless us. The prayer this morning is they say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I decree and declare on the authority of your word that the remaining days of this year and the year 2024 yields his increase to me and my family. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I decree and declare on the authority of your word that the remaining days of this year and the year 2024 yields his increase to me and my family. Lift up your voices and turn that into prayers. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, I decree and I declare on the authority of your word that the remaining days of this year and the year 2024 uses increase to me uses increase to my family in the name of Jesus on the authority of God's word I decree and I declare in the remaining days of this year the earth uses increase to me all through the year 2024 the earth uses increase to me in the name of Jesus increase upon increase in the name of Jesus increase in my life increase in my work increase in my finances the remaining days of this year and the year 2024 
uses increase to me in the name of Jesus. Mante Kora Pai Lebo Shata Yadaba. Le Paparion de Lekoteshki Yadaba. In Jesus' name we pray. Acts chapter 4 and verse 16. Acts chapter 4 and verse 16. The Bible says, Say, what shall we do to this man? For that indeed a notable miracle has been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. We're going to lift up our voices. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus. In the remaining days of this year and all through the Breakthrough Festival, let unbelievable miracles, signs and wonders erupt in the Gateway Church and in the life of everyone genuinely connected to this house. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, in the remaining days of this year and all through Breakthrough Festival, let unbelievable miracles, signs and wonders erupt in the Gateway Church and in the life of everyone connected to this house. Lift up your voices and turn that into prayers. Father, in the name of Jesus, let unbelievable, undeniable, unprecedented miracle signs and wonders erupt in this house in the remaining days of this year and all through the breakthrough festival. Let there be an eruption of notable miracles, of great signs, of mighty wonders in the name of Jesus. Unbelievable signs, unbelievable miracles, unbelievable wonders. Oh, let it be wrought. Let it erupt in the life and the walk of everyone connected to this house. In the name of Jesus. Oh, mante kora palego dose kapala maniviata. Oh, masheta kapara de yedebo. In the remaining days of this year and all through the breakthrough festival, let unbelievable miracles, undeniable signs, unprecedented wonders erupt in the gateway church and in the life of everyone connected to this house. Oh, mante kapale gedea. Oh, let's begin to give thanks to God for answered prayers. Oh, give him the thanks and the praise. For the Bible says the confidence we have in him. And anytime we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And when he hears us, we know we have the petitions we have required of him. In Jesus' name, we have prayed and given thanks. This morning, I want to give someone an opportunity to make it right with Jesus. Everyone, you may please be seated. All eyes closed, all heads bowed. Very quickly, you're here in this house this morning. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. I don't want to bring this service to a close without giving someone that opportunity. You've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you've done that in the past and you've walked out on that relationship. Maybe through a lifestyle, some decisions you made, or some associations you got into yourself involved in, and you know you've walked out on that relationship. You can't truly say if Jesus were to come now, you will be raptured. You are the one I'm talking about. If there's anybody like that this morning who want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to know those I'm praying for. I want you to lift your hands wherever you are. There is nothing to be ashamed about. Everyone had to make that decision at one point or the other in their life. If there's anybody like that you want to make that decision, can you please lift your hand? I'd like to know those I'm praying for. I'd like to know those I'm praying with. Anybody like that? Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that this morning, you will cause your promises to become a reality in our lives. That even as we put your word to work, let it become a reality. In the remaining days of this year, let nothing be able to stop the fulfillment of your plans and promises concerning our lives. That we end this year better than we started it. In the name of Jesus. We give you the thanks and we give you the praise. For in Jesus' name we have prayed and given thanks. And everybody say very big amen. Can we celebrate the Lord Jesus this morning?